Welcome to Live Label Free, the podcast where we talk about all things eating disorder recovery, autism, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I'm your host, Livia Sarah, and my mission is to inspire individuals from across the globe to live a life in which they feel fulfilled and free from limiting labels. I am so excited to have you here and cannot wait to dive into the episode. What is up, Live Label Free fam? (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Live Label Free podcast. Everyone's support on my launch last week has been truly incredible, and I am so grateful to each and every one of you listening. If you haven't yet done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rate and review on iTunes. It really helps support the show and pushes my podcast so that more people can listen and learn. And speaking of learning, today's episode is going to be a very informative one where I will be explaining a scientific link behind anorexia and autism. And this link is interoception. So, what exactly is interoception? Well, most of us know about the five basic senses. Touch, taste, smell, sight, and hearing. However, there are three more, lesser-known senses that play just as critical a role in our everyday lives. The vestibular sense, proprioception, and interoception. The vestibular system contributes to our sense of location, giving us the ability to maintain proper balance and body posture. The receptors in the system are located in the inner ear and are stimulated by changes in head position. So think of yourself on a balance beam or trying to walk in a straight line. That's your vestibular sense in action, baby. Proprioception is responsible for the perception of our body position in space informing us through receptors located in our muscles. Just take a moment to observe your body right now. Is your arm by your side, resting on a table? Maybe you are pushing a grocery cart at Trader Joe's. (laughs) Our proprioceptive awareness tells us how hard we should push that shopping cart or how fast we should walk to keep up with our dog. Interoception is the sense in which we monitor the inner state of our bodies, helping us to regulate emotion and understand whether we're hungry, thirsty, in pain, too hot, too cold, you name it. Our interoceptive awareness is responsible for keeping our body in homeostasis, telling us to get a snack when we're hungry or go to the bathroom when our bladder is full. It balances the need for change with the need to stay the same. It is a commonly known trait of autism to lack interoceptive awareness. Parents of autistic children may notice that their child has trouble expressing their emotions and their child may show signs of eating and toileting difficulties. What is not as highly recognized, however, is the role of interoception in eating disorders, specifically anorexia, and how a potential lack of interoceptive awareness can contribute to the onset and continuation of the illness. So now I want to get into a bit of the science and talk about a specific part of the brain because it will aid in the understanding to why people with autism and anorexia often lack interoceptive awareness. Now, before you press pause or leave Spotify or leave the episode, 
Don't worry, I'm going to explain it in a very understandable manner because I know we're not all science nerds like me. <laughs> and I'm only going to be talking about one small region of the brain, which is the insula. So the insula plays a major role in our ability to navigate life since it sends and receives messages from almost every part of the brain. One of the insula's primary jobs is to manage interoceptive awareness. According to a 2004 neurology study, researchers found that people with better interoceptive skills actually have larger insulae. This poses the question whether the insula works differently in individuals with mental health issues. Knowing that our interoceptive awareness is responsible for regulating our inner cues also helps us to explain why those who lack interoceptive awareness often experience heightened anxiety a trait that is very common across both the autistic and eating disorder spectrums. Someone who lacks interoceptive awareness may be over-responsive to inner cues of fear or worry, resulting in increased feelings of anxiety. Considering this, several studies have been conducted in recent years to unmask the way the insula may work differently in individuals with autism and or comorbid eating disorders. Researchers have hypothesized and found results that imply that the insula may be hypoactive in said individuals. If you are listening to this as an autistic person or know someone who is autistic, you may have heard that people with autism often struggle making sense of interoceptive information. Something that's supposed to tickle may hurt and autistic individuals may not respond to feelings of hunger or thirst in a timely manner. Interoception also affects the interpretation of emotions, meaning those on the autistic spectrum may have difficulty identifying their own emotions a trait known as alexithymia. Interoceptive difficulties can affect one's ability to self-regulate, resulting in temper tantrums and or meltdowns. I mean, if you don't know if you're hungry, you may wait way too long to eat, causing a severe drop in blood sugar, and we all know what it's like to be around someone who's hangry, and if you need to use the bathroom but are not aware of the fact that your bladder is even full, you may feel uncomfortable and not even understand why. When you are unable to explain what is troubling you, frustration can build up and it can be very difficult for loved ones to understand how to best help someone in that moment. What can be even harder is not knowing how or when to ask for help at all if you can't put into words what exactly is wrong? Now, to be honest, I had never even heard about the term interoception until I found out that I have autism. As a result of this newfound knowledge, I started educating myself about this neurodevelopmental disability, and for the first time in my life, all the times I felt off suddenly made sense. Also being an anorexia survivor, I began to wonder if certain autistic traits may play a role in the onset of eating disorders. It may just be me, but not properly responding to hunger signals is a common autistic trait that seems to very closely resemble one of the main symptoms of anorexia. Now, it's no secret that anorexia nervosa has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. It's most commonly characterized by a dangerously low body weight, but this isn't the case for everyone. 
I recently shared a post on my Instagram on atypical anorexia and that it's just as dangerous as stereotypical anorexia due to the behaviors such as food restriction, excessive exercise, and more often than not, comorbid anxiety and mood disorders. Anorexia causes someone to become severely malnourished, which affects every part of the body, including the brain. When the body is starved, it will shut off internal processes and turn to internal organs for fuel. And I do want to reiterate here that you can be malnourished at any weight in any body at any size. The body will do everything in its power to keep you alive, even if that means using brain matter as energy. This consumption of the brain and other vital organs results in the shrinking of the insula as well as reduces blood flow to the brain. The firing of neurons requires energy and oxygen, both of which are carried by blood. Inadequate blood flow causes all parts of the brain to malfunction, which means neurons can't send messages as quickly, which results in slowing down of the rate at which the insula can process information, which helps explain why individuals with anorexia have difficulty processing interoceptive stimuli. Simple questions such as, what do you want for dinner, can be so overwhelming that the brain defaults to a simple answer, I'm not hungry, I already ate. These habitual answers are how we avoid analysis paralysis, which, simply put, means overthinking things, constantly tweaking details, not being able to see what's important. Now, I don't know if anyone relates to this, but when I was in school as a kid and we were supposed to highlight the important parts of a text, I would literally highlight the entire page because I wouldn't be able to distinguish what was important and what were just details. So if you did this too, send me a DM on Instagram because I'm sure I'm not the only one who did this. And back to this phenomenon of analysis paralysis, we will often wait to tackle a problem until we find the perfect solution, but because no perfect solution exists, the problem doesn't get solved and we become paralyzed by our overthinking. Now, anorexia seems to be the solution to avoiding this analysis paralysis because if we can't figure out the perfect food to eat, we don't eat at all. It's too complicated to break our rigid exercise and meal routines, so we stay stuck. And the insula also plays a role in feelings of disgust. And disgust is a primal emotion, just like fear or love, that's often reserved for life-threatening situations as coming into contact with spoiled food or bodily waste. I mean, thank goodness our body is turned off by rotten apple or like shit on the sidewalk. <laughs> um, however, in a study observing disgust sensitivity in eating disorders, researchers actually found that someone with anorexia may be disgusted by any food which further amplifies their inability to eat. And just like in many autistic individuals, people with anorexia often have trouble sensing and responding to hunger signals, both of which are regulated by our interoceptive awareness through the insula. This weakness in interoceptive skills may help explain why so many people with anorexia fail to perceive the severity of their illness. This is known as anosognosia, or simply put, feeling like you're not sick enough. And if you are feeling like you're not sick enough, please head over to my blog. I will link this in the podcast description. 
um, but I do have a post on why you are sick enough. So this phenomenon of not being sick enough is seen in several mental health illnesses, not only anorexia, but also in schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and even some stroke patients. The interoceptive deficits simply cause someone with anorexia to be less or even completely unaware of the physical signs of the illness. Are you currently experiencing extreme hunger and do you fear that you're becoming a binge eater? Or perhaps you are constantly thinking of ways to deserve food or make up for it. Or you just feel overridden with gut-wrenching guilt every time you eat something unplanned or miss a workout. If any of that resonates, you are in luck because I am interrupting my very own episode to tell you about my one-on-one coaching program. One of my favorite quotes is that your mess will become your message and my coaching program was really born out of that. I created this program after being told that I was a hopeless case by a clinical psychiatrist over six years ago. I thought there was something wrong with me and that I was simply uncurable, but I quickly learned that I wasn't the only one being pushed aside by their doctors and healthcare providers. It was the system that was failing patients, not to mention how most treatment centers or insurance companies only support those who fit the eating disorder stereotypes. As the years went on and I finally dug myself out of the deep hole the eating disorder had created for me, I continued to hear horror story after horror story from clients being disregarded and being labeled as too complex by the so-called professionals. In the traditional healthcare system, it really is unfortunate that you fall between land and ship when you're dealing with more than one mental health issue and you're often told to first quote-unquote fix the other issues before they can help you with tackling your eating disorder. But it does not work like that. An eating disorder never stands alone, so why should you? My promise when it comes to coaching is to guide you on the path to freedom, whatever that looks like for you. You don't need to fit a stereotype or be at a low weight or even feel sick enough to get help. In fact, if any part of your life is compromised by disordered eating, you are sick enough and have every right to help. Whatever you're going through right now, please know that you are never alone and I am so open to exploring how we can find freedom for you together. I have stood in your shoes and am so incredibly passionate about the power of lived experience. I thought that I was never going to get better, yet here I am, thriving. And if I can do it, so can you. During our time together, we will approach your recovery holistically. We'll explore what's holding you back, discover what you need, and unlock your full potential because you are so beautiful and unique, my friend. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call with me at livelabelfree.com forward slash schedule. That's livelabelfree, like the name of this podcast, dot com forward slash schedule. So that's S-C-H-E-D-U-L-E. I absolutely cannot wait to chat. Now, let's get back to the episode. Perhaps the most prominent relationship between interoception, or rather lack thereof, and anorexia lies in the realm of body dysmorphia. 
neuroscientist Manos Sakilis of the University of London defined body image as a conscious representation of what we look like or how we picture ourselves in our heads. Most of the time, this picture is quite accurate. However, in people with eating disorders, that is most often not the case. According to a 2020 university study, researchers surveyed over 1,600 participants, 30% of which had disordered eating. 76% of those who indicated an eating disorder or a history of one had a comorbid body dysmorphic disorder. So why is it that those with the genetics for anorexia also seem to have a diluted self-image? From the outside, it doesn't seem like having trouble sensing whether you're hungry or whether or not you have to go to the bathroom could cause body dysmorphia. However, looking at your body in the mirror is only one aspect of how body image is formed. Securis concluded that someone with high interoception will place more weight, no pun intended, on proprioception and inner feelings, while someone with low interoception might place more weight on visual cues. This indicates that those with low interoceptive awareness are more dependent on external cues. Securis tested this hypothesis using the rubber hand illusion, and although this may sound like some magic trick you'd see at a carnival, this experiment actually allows neuroscientists to observe the connection between body and mind. Now, I'm just going to explain the rubber hand illusion experiment because I think it is so fascinating and I think it'll really help you gain insight onto how it can help us understand interoceptive awareness and why people with anorexia may lack it. So in 1988, Two psychologists asked 10 healthy subjects to place both hands on the table in front of them. They then placed a screen on the inside of the left arm, parallel to the arm, to hide the person's left hand from view. Immediately to the right of the screen, the psychologists placed a realistic, life-sized rubber hand. Then, they began stroking the subject's left hand and the rubber hand with a small paintbrush. After a minute or two of brushing, something super unusual happened. The subjects began to feel as if the rubber hand was their own. Their body image had spontaneously morphed to exclude the real left hand and had replaced it with a lifeless rubber hand instead. And to measure the relationship between interoception body image and the rubber hand illusion, Securis and his colleagues asked a group of 46 neurologically healthy undergraduate women to complete a heartbeat test. Based on the results of this test, the women were split into high and low interoception groups in which their mean estimated heart rate was 81% and 49% accurate. These women were then given questionnaires to assess body image and participated in the rubber hand illusion. Not surprisingly, women in the high interoception group were less likely to report feeling that the rubber hand had become part of their own body. The results of this rubber hand illusion don't lie. They provide the first direct evidence of the role that interoception plays with regards to experiencing body image from the outside. To elaborate on this, I want to tell you about the term allocentric lock. And with that, I have a question for you. Have you ever received a body comment only to believe it with your heart and soul? The phenomenon of viewing your own body from a third person's perspective is called allocentrism. 
Normally, the body provides plenty of information about its internal state to negate allocentrism, but in anorexia, this information isn't there. Lack of interoceptive awareness impairs the ability to perceive oneself from a first-person perspective, which is directly linked to lacking internal cues. Because the internal cues are not fully present, People with anorexia fail to perceive the physical manifestations of weight loss and can therefore persist with the life-threatening habits of starvation and overexercise much longer than someone without the genetic predisposition. An Italian researcher, Giuseppe Riva, calls this persistent self-objectification in eating disorders allocentric lock. This allocentric lock is amplified by anxiety, which, as we just discussed, is a comorbid disorder in over two-thirds of anorexia patients. A classic example of allocentric lock is captured in the way an individual with anorexia may internalize an external body comment, as I just mentioned. Now, personally, I have never seen myself as fat, even when I was at my lowest and sickest weight, and I never really struggled with body dysmorphia during my eating disorder, and at my lowest weight, I was deathly aware of how skeletal I looked. But as I started to gain weight, and people made comments like saying, oh, you look so healthy, and you look so much better, I did immediately start to doubt whether or not I still had to gain weight. And I know this specific example may not be as extreme as someone who is severely underweight and yet perceives themselves as morbidly obese, but it does go to show that allocentric lock and lack of accurate body image literally comes in all shapes and sizes. So now that I've explained interoception and how those of us with autism and or anorexia lack interoceptive awareness, I want to quickly give some tips on how you can improve your interoception because not having consistent hunger cues is obviously not a free card to not eat, just like having the genetic predisposition for an eating disorder is not a free card to engage in eating disorder behaviors. Because although we may not have the capacity to achieve the same function of someone who has a normally functioning insula, there are several techniques proven to aid in improving interoceptive awareness. And as you can probably guess, these are mindfulness techniques. So some of my favorite ways to reconnect to my body are yoga, meditation, visualization, and focused breathing. And I know what you may be thinking, because I used to have this too, is like, I don't have time for this because I don't have time to share with my thoughts and I will go crazy if I sit with my thoughts because they're all over the place and I like need to distract myself from them. And in the beginning, it will be hard and it will be difficult and it will feel very weird. But I promise you that with practice and dedication, even if you just sit for like one minute each morning and just say for one minute, set your like timer on your iPhone for one minute and just try and sit with your thoughts. It'll be really hard, but over time, it does get easier. Like, I promise you that. So that's all that I have for you today. And I'm super curious to hear your thoughts on this episode. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Did it make sense? Was it confusing? If you learned anything at all, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your IG stories and tag me at live label free. That's L-I-V-L-A-B-E-L-F-R-E-E. I always love hearing from you guys and I cannot wait to connect in the next episode.